Well, good evening, LCM. Tonight is March 25th, 2020. And as uh, Elder Eric just said, we are so very proud of you as a congregation. At great potential for personal loss, you've joined together to pray. We want to set the tenor and the tone for this evening by reminding you that we are not against anything or anyone this evening. No law enforcement is an obstacle or an enemy to us. We are here because we are for the kingdom of God and believe there is a biblical mandate that requires, somebody say requires, requires us to join in prayer during this time of calamity. We will not denigrate those who don't or can't be with us tonight, but we are telling you and we're setting the stage for what we are for. Amen. Amen. We're going to begin in the word of God because that is actually why we're here is the word of God demands it of us. Let's go to 2 Chronicles. We'll be in the 20th chapter. On this screen, you'll see a slide displayed. And on this one, you will see our governmental officials that we are praying for this evening and every day. Because none of them are the enemy. They are simply governmental officials. 2 Chronicles 20, beginning in verse 4. Are you all awake tonight, LCM? And rest assured, we are going to worship. And we are going to pray, but we want to set the tone in the word of God. The people of Judah (laughs) came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the video conference. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord, in front of the new courtyard, and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name. Saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether of the sword of judgment or of the plague of the coronavirus or famine, we will stand. We will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you, In our distress, and you will hear us and save us. All, somebody say all. All All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. In accordance with this and other passages that you will hear tonight, we believe that in times of calamity, the church must Come together. Not each man retreat to his own home for a video conference. While this building that you are currently sitting in is not the temple in Jerusalem, it is the chosen meeting place the Lord has directed us to. Amen. And this is where we will take our stand. As unwise as it may seem to some who do not walk in divine dimensions, we believe that it is essential that all men with their wives, their children, and even the little ones, stand together here tonight in the mercies of our God. 
We're going to continue to work through the Word of God so that you will understand the shape and the form of the conviction that we have and you apparently share. In Psalm 107, we're going to begin in verse 31. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for men. Let them exalt Him in the assembly of the people and praise Him in the council of the elders. In these difficult times, it is more important than ever that we proclaim His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for men and that we do it as a corporate body. Amen. You know, something special happens when we assemble as a people. He is exalted in our midst. Amen. We are here to exalt the name of our God above these trials in a way that cannot be biblically accomplished through a telecast. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Amen. The church is not a passive observer in what's going on. We are active participants in the exaltation of the name of our mighty God. Amen. To help you see how this very idea has been eroded, we want to turn to a familiar scripture that you may not have looked at in light of recent events. This will be 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers? Have you felt like that at all lately? What then shall we say, brothers, when you come together? Everyone, somebody say everyone. Everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these things must be done for the strengthening of the church. For the biblical and historical church of the living God, assembly together has never been in question. But rather the scripture presumes that it is the goal of every believer. This is why this text says, when you come together, not if you come together. The words everyone has, a hymn, word, revelation, tongue, indicate that our services must be interactive or they do not meet the biblical uh, definition. Emojis or text messages in response to a telecast simply cannot satisfy this biblical imperative. Is there an amen in the house of God? Amen. Church, we want you to seriously contemplate what we're saying here. Please contemplate the seriousness of the scriptural wording here in this passage on the screen. It says all of these things must be done for the strengthening of the church. So that leads you to only one possible conclusion. You are either doing this and becoming stronger as a church, or you are not, and you are weakening the very fiber of your own church. We are standing here because we know that this must be done. Say that with me. Say, must be done. It is not possible to give a tongue and an interpretation while you are sitting alone watching a telecast. It is not possible to meet the biblical imperatives as a passive participant simply being entertained by something you're watching on the glowing screen. That is not a church service. It never has been and it never will be. I want to show you one of the more popular scriptures of our time until recent times. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 7 
beginning in verse 13. You will recognize it immediately. And yet you will not hear it quoted often lately. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague of the coronavirus among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. He's standing at the temple when he says it. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. These difficult times that most would consider a plague should cause us to become humble and devote ourselves to corporate prayer in the place that he has chosen. Amen. In an age where science seems to reign supreme, we still believe that this is our best biblical hope for healing in this nation. From the beginning, from the inception of this ministry, our doctrinal statement has always been the word of God alone. And we have stated from the beginning that we will move any direction necessary to remain in the favor and will of our God. See, we want to be where his eyes and his heart are always said to be. Yeah, I am fighting off the desire to make sarcastic comments about what we are seeing around us. Instead, I think the very best thing that we could do with our time is focus on what the scripture says rather than what men are saying. Let's go to Hebrews 10 together. In the 23rd verse, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Reach out and elbow your neighbor gently. How could you do that on a telecast? (laughs) Verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together. Let us not give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We're going to pick up in verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light. When you stood your ground in the great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times... You stood side by side without a six-foot spiritual barrier with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need 
to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a very little while, He who is coming will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. Actually, Habakkuk says in the Masoretic text, if he shrinks back, my spirit will not even want him. Verse 39, I think, is particularly applicable to you brave souls that showed up here tonight. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But of those who believe and are saved. Among the many things that you gathered from this passage, let's start at the beginning. We must come together corporately to be able to spur one another on. We are specifically commanded to not give up meeting together. This historical context was often at the cost of the very lives to those that adhere to it. According to this verse, we should be more dedicated now as we are closer to the approaching day of the Lord than they were then. Come on, church, that's our standard. We should be more engaged in this today. You're 2,000 years closer to the day of the Lord. How much more fervent should we be? See, the early church walked in divine dimensions. They learned to glory in their loss, not avoid it. Yes. The early church understood that divine dimensions demanded dedication under every single circumstance. See, the early church did not shrink back from loss, but was in the divine drift of loss that was really gained for them. We're going to move to a passage tonight that will form the basis of our message now that you understand why we must be here. Before doing it, I want to quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer in 1930. The Christian who will not assemble is in and of himself an oxymoron. As we go through this passage tonight, our title, our topic is Divine Dimensions, Drift Towards Loss That Is Really Gain. We will be in Genesis 47 beginning in verse 13. When we are done exhorting you in the word, we plan to pray for this nation. We plan to pray for those governmental officials. We plan to humble ourselves, repent, and pray for healing in our land. But for now, we prepare ourselves with the word. Genesis 47, beginning in verse 13. Are you there? There was no food, however. In the whole region of the Costco and the Sam's. Because the famine was severe, they ran out of toilet paper first. There was no food, however, in the whole region because the famine was severe. Both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money that was to be found in Egypt and Canaan in payment For the grain they were buying. And he brought it to Pharaoh's palace. When the money of the people of Egypt in Canaan was gone. All Egypt came to Joseph and said. Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? Our money is used up. 
Saints, have you ever seen hyperinflation? Barrels of cash that can't buy bread because the cost is just too high? That is a system that is based on earthly dimensions, not divine dimensions. How about what if your savings won't save you? You're going to have to learn to drift in the divine dimension of loss that is actually gain. Oh, but pastors, if I just had enough money, then I can manage it. I mean, if we could just hold on until the government checks come in and we can manage it, right? Whoa, I feel the stimulus now. (laughs) Show me the money. Covered in pork. (laughs) Church, that is so wrong. It's so, it's so wrong on so many levels. See, the truth is, is what if our money is manipulating us? What if your money is manipulating you, robbing you of the reality, the understanding of this divinely drifting in loss into that would force you into a dependency on the king of kings who has promised to provide for you? Man, what a good time we're in to actually understand that the Lord is really our source in everything. The divine drift will bring you earthly loss. It will bring you earthly loss. But that is actually heavenly gain to ensure that you are being completely dependent upon the Davidic son. See, when it costs you something, when you feel loss, you now know he's worth that much more to you. I am proud of you saints. But we do have to ask the question, do you really own your banking accounts? How about this word, your savings accounts? That's an interesting title, isn't it? Your saving account? Money market accounts, or do they own you? Stepping into the reality of the kingdom is to be released from the perverse monopoly game based on a life of gain. The kingdom life is a divine drift towards losing all things that you might gain Christ. That's why you showed up here today unafraid of loss. Because you gain something in the kingdom for doing it. Amen. Let's go to verse 16. We'll pick up. Then bring your livestock, said Joseph. I will sell you food in exchange for your livestock, since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and he gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep and goats, their cattle and donkeys. And he brought them through that year with food in exchange for all their livestock. Did you hear what was listed in livestock? Horses, sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. It's like us giving up our trucks, our cars, our boats, our four-wheelers. Lord forbid, even our motorcycles. <laughs> Come on, pastors. But, but don't we need transportation? I mean, I mean, we, we can get the, uh, the, the heated or the cooled seats. I mean, we need what we've got. But the question isn't whether you have a vehicle. Is are you riding it or is it riding you? Oh. oh hang on Come on, I want to follow you, Lord, but, but I have to make my truck note. I have to get something in here. See, the problem is, do you possess your livestock-like things or do they possess you? That's the question for us tonight. Yeah. See, it's moments like these that you get to answer that. You knew that it may cost you something tonight. It may very well cost us a great deal to meet. But it is worth doing so because that kind of loss means gain in the kingdom. Stepping into the reality of the kingdom is to be released from servitude and slavery to stuff. The divine drift will always take you towards earthly loss. And it will always result in heavenly gain. Amen. Let's look at verse 18. 
When that year was over, they came to him the following year and said, We cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there is nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we perish before your eyes, we and our land as well? Buy us and our land in exchange for food, and we with our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh. Give us seed so that we may live and not die, and that the land may not become desolate. You see, this is like the possession of land and home being the American dream. It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of as much as you can acquire, right? It's also a devilish deception that is completely the opposite of the divine drift. And that drift that is to lose everything earthly in order to gain everything that is heavenly. Come on, have you been deluded into deciding to dedicate all of your efforts to a deed of mortgage? That is the opposite of the divine drift towards having loss in all things. Oh, it's for my kids. It's for the Lord. It's for my status symbol. Did I say that out loud? What's for the kingdom? In moments like these, we get the chance to give something to the kingdom. Your obedience when it hurts. Amen. Are you living in your home? Are you just sleeping in it while the crushing weight of affording it is living in you all day long? To walk in divine dimensions, we're going to have to drift into loss for heavenly gain. And that begins with decisions like you made tonight. Amen. The reality of the kingdom is to be released from domination by your domicile. You live and move and breathe in the presence of God and he in you. A home is nothing more than a tool to host hostages of hell so that they can be released and delivered into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Is that how you use your home? Or is your home the biggest idol in your life? Divine dimensions will require you to drift towards the loss of all rights, all possessions, that you might gain the authority of heaven. We are so proud that you are taking that kind of step tonight. When you walked in here, you knew what it could mean, and it may yet still mean. And you did it anyway. This is a drift towards loss of reputation, loss of right, loss of things, so that you might gain the confidence that you stand in Christ. Let's pick it up in verse 23. Joseph said to the people, Now that I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh, here is seed for you so you can plant the ground. But when the crop comes in, give a fifth of it to Pharaoh. The other four-fifths you may keep as seed for the fields and as food for yourselves and your households and your children. See, let us recap this a little bit for you. It was only after their money was completely used up. Wow. It was only after all of their livestock was gone. In addition to that, it was only after their land and homes were worthless that they then received the life-giving seed that is like the Word of God. What did they receive? The seed. seed. That is the Word of God. Man, you get a special kind of thing when you have nothing else. See, they were released from running after the things pagans run after and were now seeking the kingdom. 
They were in a divine drift of loss that is actually gain. Why is it gain? Because everything that they needed would be provided for by a loving Jewish king. Everything. They have sought first the kingdom and now everything they needed would come from him. Let's pick up in verse 25. You need to see what happens here because it's beautiful. You have saved our lives, they said. May we find favor in the eyes of our Lord. We will be in bondage to Pharaoh. This is the very first time that the people called Joseph their savior after they had lost everything for his sake and he gave him seed. This is the first time they see themselves as his subjects. This is an amazing thought, church. The only bondage from this point on that they would ever know is the bonds of a loving Jewish king. Because they were walking in a divine dimension, a drift towards loss that is actually gained in the heavenly realm. This actually reminds me of a verse in Luke chapter 9 and verse 24. Turn there quickly with us. Luke 9, 24. It's a familiar verse, but I want us to see this tonight. Somebody yell, Corona is not king. (laughs) Let's do it again. Corona is not king. Corona is not king. Luke 9, 24 says this. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever is in the divine drift of loss, whoever loses his life for me will in fact save it. What we're talking to you tonight about is salvation for each one of us. It is the way to be saved is that we drift in in an attitude, in a dimension of divine loss. There are many things that I am willing to lose. I am not willing to lose, not now, not ever, the right to corporately assemble and worship our God. Not now, not ever. Not for one day, not for one week, not for one year. Not now, not ever. The Bible commands it. My God requires it. My conscience demands it of me. And I am proud of you for being here. Amen. Philippians 3, beginning in verse 7 is a continuation of the divine drift of loss towards gain. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more? Somebody say, what is more? What is more? I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ. Church, you are here tonight because the only thing that you fear is God. You're here tonight because you value the seed that is the word of God, even if it causes you to drift towards loss. Church, you are here tonight. Because you are in the hands of a loving Jewish king who will in fact reward your every loss with heavenly authority. We're about to pray for our present calamity, for our leaders, our circumstances, and the healing of our land. Before we do that, as Peyton is getting ready to lead us in worship and prayer.
We want to take this opportunity right now to get rid of our phones. We want to take this opportunity right now to say every step that you take towards risk because of conscience and because of the Word of God will be a step of distance closed between you and the power of God. We are going to be humble. We are going to be prayerful. And we are going to be powerful. We are not going to denigrate those around us that have not yet come to this conviction. Instead, we are going to stand up and inspire them towards the conviction that the Word of God demands that they have. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Do you want to assemble and pray together? Yes. Do you want to exalt His name together? Yes. He will be enthroned upon the assembly of the saints. Stand to your feet. Come on, let's begin to pray, church. Let's lift up your voices to the Lord of all creation. Weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't breathe the gossip knows only how to triumph. Oh, my God will never sing our God. Well, our God will never fail. Yeah, I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory.
in an offering of fire, washed in your blood, cleansing your truth, word of God, spirit of love, we're poor in spirit, so pour out your spirit, that the nations may stream to your throne.
as we continue to sing this worship song, remember that in the Gospel of John, Jesus Christ himself said, the prince of this world is coming, but he has no hold on me. See, that is a divine drift towards the loss of all things. There was nothing this world had that had a hold on Jesus. He said instead, but the world must learn that I love the Father and I obey exactly what He's commanded me. That is where this church is drifting. When we sing these songs, He is the only one that is worthy. We want to join in His suffering. That is the drift towards loss. Loss of all concern for yourself. Loss of all concern about fear or punishment. Your only concern is your next obedient moment. Let's begin to worship Him as you meditate upon that. Lord, You are worthy. Hear our prayer. To the King who is holy. Lord, You are worthy. Hear our prayer. Sing, He's worthy. Lord, to impart this and make this more true in our lives tonight. There are some who can, res- who can sing this and they've proven it. There are others who want to sing this and make it true in their life. This is a time for us to sing. May the Lamb receive 
not just the reward of his suffering, but may he do it in me. Say in me. Say in me. Raise your hands and let's worship the Lord. Come on, may the Lord, may the Lamb receive. May the Lamb receive the reward of his like they do and don't live in dread of what frightens them make the lord of heaven's armies holy in your life he is the one you should fear he is the one who should make you tremble he will keep you safe but to israel and judah he will be a stone that makes people stumble a rock that makes them fall and for the people of jerusalem he will be a trap and a snare many will stumble and fall never to rise again they will be snared and captured. Preserve the teachings of God and trust his instruction to those who follow me. I will wait for the Lord who has turned away from, from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my hope in him. Is that worth hearing? Do you know where that came from? It came from the church. And that can't be done through a camera. It has to be done in a corporate assembly. We're going to continue to worship. Is it clear that the Lord wants us to think differently? Yes. Proverbs 13 clearly says that the poor man hears no threat. See, when you've drifted towards loss, you gain the ability to be free from all fear. And because I have a microphone in my hand, I just want to tell you the interpretation of Romans 13 that says we can't do this denies the fact that the man that wrote Romans 13 wrote most of the Bible from a prison cell. Hey, let's worship. To our God we lift up one voice. To our God, come on, sing it out. Lift up one song. To our God we lift up one voice. Singing hallelujah. To our God we lift up one voice. To our God we to our God, we lift up one voice. To our God, to our God, we lift up one voice. To our God, we lift up one song. To our 
Are you blessed for hearing from the church? The Bible says that if we are sick to present ourselves to the elders through video chat so so that you can be annoyed with giving requests, that the prayer of hypocrisy will make even the well person sick. No, the Bible says no such thing. The Bible actually says if you are sick to come to this building so that you can be prayed for and healed. Look, the more we do what the Bible says, the more blessed our lives will be. Praise God for not hiding in a house, staring at a TV or computer screen that is used for God knows what else. Let us tonight rejoice in the fact that we are inching towards living sacrifices. What do we fight with, church? Our praises. The best kind of praise is in the most difficult kind of circumstance. This is our second illegal meeting of this year. And there will be more. Somebody cry out as a man of Judah. Judah. 
Again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The planters, which is in Hebrew, Christians. The planters will plant and will enjoy them. The word is, as we're happy and joyful here, we go out there and we bring that joy out there. Where everybody is distressed by fear and hideous stuff. We are joyful. Do you see how the congregation is bringing the message because the congregation is in fact the church and not the audience? By the end of 2020, it's entirely possible that there will be a new translation of the NIV. And it will be produced in cooperation with the CDC. Wherever two or more, but less than ten, gather in my name, there I am among them. We cannot tolerate this behavior. And we can't tolerate this behavior because you need your brother who is in Christ. And he needs you. We will die for our brother's visions. We certainly will risk punishment for corporate assembly in the name of Jesus Christ. I can see a light in the darkness. As the darkness bows to him, I can hear the roar in the heavens as the space between us. I, I can see the mountain beneath us as the prison walls cave in. Nothing stands between us. Nothing stands between I can see the light. I can see the light in the darkness as the darkness. To him. I can hear the roar in the heavens as the space between west and I can feel the crowd standing us as the prison walls came in. Cause nothing stands between us. Nothing stands between I know I will never be alone There is another in the fire Standing next to me There is another in the waters Holding back the sea Should I ever be reminded How good you've been to me 
sake of Christ because what I can expect is to gain everything that he has in store for me and all that is so much better a familiar passage is 2nd Timothy 1 chapter uh, chapter 1 verse 7 we have not received a spirit of fear or timidity but of power love self-control I think that new version that elder Eric was speaking of the 2020 CONEV 
the co-NIV, would say, we have not received a spirit of timidity, but of cowardice, hoarding, and social distancing. What we are aiming at tonight is to stand in the face of fear and embrace the very thing that God has given us to overcome fear. And that is His Spirit. That is His presence. That is His fire within us. It's His fire within you tonight, church. We're going to begin to sing highest praises because I really like that part of the song. Father, we ask that as we sing highest praises, that you would stir your people, that you would stir your church, Lord God, that you would move them to heavenly conviction. Oh, highest
not give your life for me? Who among you is fearing in your heart? I say now that it is none of you. The Lord says that I have brought forth before me a faithful people. And where darkness still lies in your heart and fear wants to creep up, the Lord says, do not be ashamed, my sons, for I will drive it from you. This is but a birth pain in a growing moment. But if you have fear creeping up on you, cry out to me and I will free you from it. Because there will be a day where your lives and your son's lives are required from you. And I am teaching you now, says God. Church, for so many reasons, we must meet together corporately. We need the tongue and the interpretation. We need the prophecies and the scriptural encouragement. See, the Lord is refining his bride. And she is becoming spotless. And through the generations, our passion, our courage, it will only grow. Somebody say hallelujah in the house of God. We're going to worship a little while longer because, well, we're already here. We've kind of already crossed the line. So we might as well go all the way. Amen.
of all that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving made be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. We have a few more things to do, and then we're going to dismiss, but that's our goal. None of us are looking for conflict with anything except spiritual powers. It takes extraordinary circumstances to put us into a position where it looks like we have conflict with governmental authorities. And it only comes when the Word of God says we must do something that a government says we can't do. Does that make sense to you? So what we do in these cases is we pray for these people. We pray that they have dreams, visions, repentance, forgiveness, whatever it takes so that they reverse this terrible, terrible decision. Does that make sense? You've all been given handouts for that. Uh, Pastor has a couple things to say to you, and I'm going to tell you, we're going to close this service in a very unusual way. So while Pastor is is speaking, um, you might all stand up because we're all going to move together here in a minute. Amen. We want to announce to you here, uh, as we're here, the next time that we're all going to get together as a body is going to be on Sunday. We will announce that to you. Watch your, your LCM announcements. If you're not in that WhatsApp group, you need to get in that group because that is where and how we are going to communicate with you. 
so that you'll know if we need to adjust times. We're going to pray and we're going to see what the Lord says to us. But our intention is we will meet Sunday morning and you will know exactly as you watch the LCM announcement on WhatsApp so you can know exactly what time and exactly how we're going to do this. Everybody say amen. amen. We want you to also understand that as you are leaving here, a few of the things that we put in the, uh, the previous announcements, if we do have non-member guests that come in, we're going to let our elders and our pastors deal with them directly. Amen. 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 These are days for discernment. Many of you have not been in countries where the things that we do are illegal, but we have. And you just have to use wisdom. Amen. Have to genuinely be led of the Spirit, not your emotions. Amen. In a moment, though, where I'm just kind of emotional, <laughs> you have to remember there was a time when we couldn't gather five people who would risk anything for Jesus. And I'm looking around right now and I'm overwhelmed. So, does that camera hold still? Like, do you have to keep your hands on it? <laughs> everybody, sound booth, everybody, come to the front. We're all going to come here, close in prayer together, and then we're going to walk out those doors together. It's very hard to write uh, 200 citations at one time. So, let's everybody come. Get to the carpet, get to the stage. We, even the children can be on the stage. We're just, uh, yeah, we're breaking every rule tonight. Make room, make room, make room. Crowd in here. This will be like that yearbook photo. Yeah, just crowd on in here. Bring those beautiful babies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get in here anywhere you can. And, and then, then once you're here, everybody turn and face the wall that we're, uh, amen. Christy, tell us. Tell us when, quickly, hallelujah, Come on, Wendy. quickly, run, run, come on, Wendy, start taking it, come on, Wendy, andale, andale. come on, Wendy, hallelujah, all right, Miss Christy, one, two, three, all right, now we all pray, mighty God, we thank you for the opportunity to have met corporately. Lord, we pray that you will continue to make a way where there seems to be no way. Come and bring healing to our land as we humble ourselves before you and assemble and pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, all God's people said, Amen.